Amen. Thank you. All right, I uh, spent um, uh, Thursday, Friday, and a uh, good bit of yesterday in Charlottesville, uh, Virginia, with Clara, my middle child. She's a, a senior there and um and so it was one of those deals where she uh she worked for the football team you know like in the recruiting office you know and so they honor all the seniors so um uh, got she was they were going to introduce her and whoever was with her um you know 30 minutes before the game when there's like you know 100 people in the stands just the just the people selling cokes and the other crazy people um, and uh, but we got to walk on the field, got our pictures, our waving visages on the uh, jumbotron, you know, so uh, up uh, there. And found out um, uh, this weekend, um, and uh, ran a 5K with her yesterday morning as well. Um, uh, and then and the the 5K and this weekend of the last senior football game is uh, they have a this thing called fourth year. Fourth year, do a fifth. Fourth year, do a fifth. And I, what, what is this? And what is this 5K that's the fourth year? Do well, there's some, I'll I'll say, stupid tradition, unofficial tradition, uh, that all seniors, fourth year, they don't call them seniors there. They call them fourth years. Yeah, they got their own vocabulary. Um, and uh, uh, every fourth year, that you, the fourth years, you on the last football home football game, you drink a fifth. Of alcohol in 24 hours. Yeah, stupid, right? You know, the physicians in our midst are saying, oh, I mean, their kidney and liver are hurting them already. And uh, so a little bit, that was a good thing that I was there because I could be an influence, you know, in another direction. Um, and, and part of the run was for uh, a student 25 years ago who died in the midst of that stupid um, uh, tradition. Um, and I actually told the girls, uh, uh, they were Claire's roommates, said, you know, I'm going to use this in the sermon because this is a perfect illustration of how we're always you know, willing to take risks for things. You know, we're, we're going we're gonna to take challenges periodically. You know, we're, we're going to, to take, um, uh, loosely in this instance, a step of faith. But for what purpose? You know, what purpose are you taking a, a, a step of, uh, of faith? What purpose are you taking this risk? You know, what, what challenge are you trying to, uh, to accomplish here? Um, and uh, it's like, you know, there isn't one in this, you know, besides the fact of just saying you did it. Um, and maybe you get a T-shirt or something. And this whole 5K race is to try to dissuade, you know, folks from doing it. But we all... We all do that. There's, there's ways that we take risks and challenges. And I thought, you know, that, that's what this, this regeneration campaign is about. It's taking a risk. You know, it's taking a step of faith. It, it's, it's saying, you know, here's, here's stuff that God has entrusted to me that, he's, that I, I could use for myself. And, and he's saying, uh, are you calling us to give that for the sake of the kingdom. Now... That's a risk worth taking. It's, it's worth taking the risk when it's for the sake of the kingdom, when, when it's eternal, when it's for things that are good and beautiful and life-giving, not just for, not for things that are destructive. So, so today, what we're going to see is how God calls us to risk, how He, he calls us to, to, to generosity, to, to cheerful sacrifice. For eternal purposes, 
Really, it's a risk for something that we know will not return void. It's one that will accomplish God's purposes. So let's pray together. Almighty God, speak to us in this time. Uh, Show us what it means to to, uh, truly risk for you, to to act in faith, um, particularly when it comes um, to giving. And uh, give us a, a sense of what you are doing and what you plan to accomplish through Um, this uh, particular work of generosity. Speak to us through your word. Prepare us to hear your truth so that we might live and live to the full. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All right, passage is in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We'll start with verse 1. It's on 941 in your pew Bible, or you can uh, follow along on the screen. But 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. And, and just a little bit of context. So the Apostle Paul's writing this. He's writing this to the church in Corinth. Um, and um, he's going to be talking about the church in Macedonia. And they were sort of churches that were near um, one another. Um, and what's happening is they're collecting uh, money for the church in Jerusalem. And so he's talking about how Macedonia and their generosity, and he's calling the Corinthians um, to the same. So giving us an insight on what generosity is in the kingdom. All right, chapter 8, verse 1. We want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that has been granted to the churches of Macedonia. For during a severe ordeal of affliction... Their abundant joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For, as I can testify, they voluntarily gave according to their means and even beyond their means, begging us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in this ministry to the saints. And this, not merely as we expected, they gave themselves first to the Lord, and by the will of God to us. So that we might urge Titus that as he had already made a beginning, so he should also complete this generous undertaking among you. Now as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in utmost eagerness, and in our love for you, so we want you to excel also in this generous undertaking. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, the first thing to see in the first, first verse here is that all this is about grace. All this is about gift. All this is about the generosity of the character of God. Um, we want, so look, look back at that first verse. We want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that has been granted to the churches of Macedonia. All right, so it's the churches of Macedonia that were giving the great gift of being able to be generous to the churches in Jerusalem. This is, this is all the, the, the work of giving, the work of, of the cheerful sacrifice of the stuff that God has entrusted to us. The, the money and material and time is all, it all flows out of the very character of God. Because God is generous. It's His very nature to give. It's His very nature. I mean, it's His first act, right? I mean, He gave life. He gave creation. It's the very nature of God to give joyously. And so really, it, it, that's why we, we've, you know, the first couple of weeks, our focus in this capital campaign was, man, go hang out with Jesus. 
Be, be in prayer. Be hanging out with Him because we, this needs to be according to His will and it's according to His character of generosity. And, and Paul even mentions it in verse 9, just a little bit after what we read, where he says, For you know the generous act of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for our sakes He became poor, so that by His po- poverty you might become rich. See, it's just the, the, very, the very nature of God to be generous. And as, as followers of Jesus, then, we want to have that same nature of generosity. We want it to be in our character. So really, the, 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 this, the capital campaign is secondarily about what we can accomplish physically. It's secondarily about what money comes in and how we regenerate the building and other things. It's primarily about us being a generous people like Jesus. It's not so much. It's first and foremost, it's not about doing. It's about being. That, that is what we want to accomplish in us. That we are being, becoming a generous people just like Jesus. Now, we recognize um, as well, though, that, that Jesus accomplished something in his generosity. Right? I mean, in his giving his life to us, he died on the cross. He became poor so that we might become rich. He, he takes our punishment so that we might have his reward. And, and, and we want, as well, through this stewardship campaign, not only to be generous, but then through that generosity to accomplish the works of God. You know, to pass on the faith to others. To, to share the love of Jesus so that they will turn to Jesus and, and follow Him and share that love with others. That we might pass on that good news from generation to generation. Well, um, uh, I'm going to pepper uh, today with a couple of different stories of just ways that God is doing this. Um, that as we're, as we're called to take a risk, we're seeing God gives us hints. Well, this is what I'm doing in your midst and what I want to continue to do. So this risk of giving, of generosity, is really not a risk at all. It's, it's well worth it because of the eternal impact. And so you may remember, I don't know, several months ago that uh, Keith Culverson was uh, baptized along with three of his children. And, and so I wanted to just sit with him, sat with him a couple weeks ago, and just asked him a little bit about that. You know, talks about a little about Ignite ministry and being baptized and just um, what was God doing in and through you then. Um, so uh, here's a, a little bit of what we talked about. Yeah, I really enjoyed the night ministry because a lot of the chapters in in the group have helped me out a lot. And some of them hit more close to home than some of the other ones, but they're all very helpful. And I just enjoy going and connecting with some of the other men in the group and hearing their testimonies, and it's been helping me release some stress by venting to some the guys in there because they some of them have similar stories but some of them are I mean worse to mine but I mean it's it's been helpful going through the different chapters some of them hit home and like I guess every chapter is something I've been going through and it's been helping me a lot like I guess be a better better Son, father, husband, and all that stuff. So it's been helping a lot. 
my wife been noticing the improvements also. <laughs> <laughs> I know one that stood out was recently we had as far as the dads. And I mean, I mean, my grandmother raised me since I was like six months old. So it was I mean, my connection with my father. It was more like a friend thing than anything. So because he wasn't around like normal, I see him every now and then. So with that, some of the testimonies that was on there helped me out because some of them just, I mean, they connected with their father and tried to make a better relationship with him, and that's what I'm in the middle of doing now. So, yeah, I'm trying to get him to go out to eat with me so we can have a talk about some stuff that I didn't get to talk to him about while I was growing up. So, yeah, that's helped me a lot. gave me some confidence to really try to talk to him and stuff like that. Yeah. I can admit when we was in there, I almost shed a tear a little bit because it hit, it hit, hit home. So, but it helped me out a lot. I wanted to get baptized because first, I mean, I I had doubts. I always believed, but it was some things that I questioned, but keep coming to the groups and, and then coming to church, it, it helped me understand a lot more. And then also, my kids look up to me, and they really like church a lot too. So I thought it was a good idea for us to come together as a family and get baptized. So, so I'm trying to be a role model for my kids also. When my kids ask me certain questions, and and sometimes I don't know the answers, so I. I get to read my Bible and stuff and look further into it. So, um, and some of the prayers that, like when I go up to somebody and they pray for me and like they don't even know me, but the stuff that they say to me was some of the like questions and stuff I wanted to ask. But yeah, we had one before with uh, I guess Chappie and his wife and a few other folks, and I wanted to get back into that because that. They teach a lot of stuff. I like being around the older groups because they know a lot more than I do. So that helps out a lot too because they've been through some of the things that I've been through. Amen. Yeah. It's worth the risk when the Spirit of God works to pass on the good news and the truth and the life-giving faith from one generation uh, to another. Um, uh, also look in the, the passage, the next, next verse about Mace- Macedonians, as they're uh, filled with the generosity of God, but their situation in life is really challenging. It, it's not for them a strategic time to be giving either. Um, But if you look at verse 2 and verse 3, For during a severe ordeal of affliction, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty... You don't usually put those two together, do you? But their abundant joy and extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Again, you, you know, we talk about this during the campaign. It's not uh, the, the amount, it's, it's the generosity. And they didn't have a lot to give, but what they did have from that and even beyond, they, they gave. So it was not, again, as we said all along, it's different gifts, but equal generosity. And you see that in the church in uh, Macedonia. 
Verse 3, For as I can testify, they voluntarily gave according to their means and even beyond their means. And then I love verse 4, Begging us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in this ministry to the saints. Isn't that tongue-in-cheek turn of a phrase? Did you catch that? They're not begging for. They're begging to give. And that, that'd be interesting. You know, if, if we uh, went from place to place and people were begging to give uh, instead of begging for. But so that, anyway, so that, that's just how radical upside down the generosity of God is in Macedonia. And, and they're in a place that, you know, you, you could give them or let them ride. Oh, let's let the church in Macedonia ride, you know. Let them go. They, we don't, we, but they're saying no. Why would you take from me the joy and privilege of practicing generosity? Now that, that, that is, I want to be like Jesus. And this is the very nature of Jesus, to give. So I got an email this week um, from uh, somebody in the, the church that wanted to, to give. Um, why don't you come on up, Richard? That's your cue. There we go. Um, and... Uh, and uh, I got this uh, email, and, and I was like, and if you know, you know, Richard will share a little bit more of the story with he and Donna as they're facing a number of issues in the last several years, illnesses. And, you know, and it, on my part, I'm like, ah, oh, you know, Richard, you know, y'all, y'all just keep that. You know, y'all, we'll give y'all a pass um, on that. Um, but uh, on the other hand, it's like, no, we, we want the privilege of giving. So... Well, as Drew asked me to uh, give a short testimony on our, re- our regeneration giving, and for those of you who don't know me, my name is Richard Pestinger, and my wife is Donna. We were married in 1990, and you'll have to excuse me, I spent nine years in the Army, and I'm afraid of overwhelming this mic. <laughs> um, we attended the Christmas program that year, and since then we've been attending College Hill Presbyterian Church. Uh, in 2005, we joined the church. Um, in 2007, I retired from the University of Cincinnati. No, I was not a professor. I was IT manager there. Um, we decided it was time to build our retirement home. So we started looking for this piece of land and in Hamilton where I graduated from high school found this beautiful piece of land overlooking the Miami River Valley in Hamilton, Ohio, and I had great visions of sitting on my porch watching the sun come up and um, enjoying coffee. Well, as with everything, the real estate market tanked and values went down, and we decided to put our building on hold. So about 2012 we decided things were starting to look good again and we both became deacons in the church and we thought, well, this is our year. Well, my dad died in February. My wife was diagnosed with leukemia in October. My mom died in November. 2012 was not a good year. So for the next few years, Donna struggled with her leukemia until she finally was into remission and 2015 was looking good and we're thinking, boy, 2016, let's think about building again. Well, she started getting headaches in January and in April she was diagnosed with leukemia in her brain. 
Well, that was a struggle again. She fought the chemo and the steroids almost destroyed her. But she fought back, and we came back. And we realized at that time there's no way we're going to be able to build on that land, and certainly you're not going to be any way to move our stuff out of that house over to another one. Well, we got we were invited to a regeneration meeting, which we all knew what that was going to be about. <laughs> oh boy, did we. And uh, it dawned on me while we were in the regeneration meeting, hmm, maybe we ought to give this land to the church. I can't do anything else with it, but I know Donna would not want that. Well, it turns out Donna was thinking the same thing, and Richard would not want that. <laughs> well, we were uh, having our devotions one, um, one day that following week, and I don't know who said it or why, but the Holy Spirit somehow caused it to happen. And we were praying. One of the things we always prayed for is about our land. And I said, you know, maybe we ought to just, somebody said, maybe we ought to just give it to church. And we both looked at each other and said, why not? So, obviously God had a different purpose for that land, and it wasn't for me to build a house and sit on the porch and enjoy that sunrise. So, uh, I sent an email to Drew and asked him if he'd be interested. It didn't take long to get a reply back on that one. (laughs) So, that was pretty much it, and... um, I don't think that I had anything else really to say, but it was obvious what God wanted to do. And uh, he gave us a, a, gave me a good living, and he gave us a very nice house. And I spent three hours out in the yard yesterday cleaning up leaves. I did say that was a very nice house, didn't I? <laughs> well, thank you, Drew. Thank you, Richard. Oh, and from one veteran to another, thanks for serving. Thanks, Richard. It gives you just another sense of the gravity of generosity and the privilege it is to be a part of a people who trust in God's direction and and leading, even in the midst of our own disappointments and challenges, but then to say, how do we celebrate the generosity of God in the midst of that? Um, So even as we talk further and and recognizing this... uh, that giving is like this. This kind of campaign is not just you know uh, gathering funds. I mean, it is as we've been saying all along, truly a spiritual discipline that, that draws us um, closer together you know, and to God. Um, that is uh, when when we enjoy um, sacrifice for the kingdom, it 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 has that deepening effect on us. And you, you, you heard with, really with Richard and, and Donna, it, you know, it gives them even more meaning because we've been walking with them during this, this time. And because they, not only just giving land, but they're an example of that's true for all, that we give ourselves to God and to one another. N- not just the stuff, but we give ourselves. And, and you, you see that in verse 5 here. And this, not merely as we expected... But they, the Macedonians, gave themselves first to the Lord and by the will of God to us. 
They, they give themselves first to the Lord and then to one another. Um, yeah, it, it, it goes back to Jesus, one of Jesus' uh, famous words about uh, money and about stuff is where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. You know, and, and since you know, Richard and Don is an example, they've given themselves to the work of God in the church here. You know, to, to, to give a piece of land then becomes a real, real joy. And, and that is our charge, the deeper charge in regeneration, is to give ourselves to one another. To give ourselves to God and to one another. You know, to, to continue, again, to take a risk. To, to take a risk, to, to give the, not just funds, not just land, not just other things that, for what God is going to, to do with it, but to give ourselves to one another as a risk, especially as a church that is committed to unity in Jesus no matter our differences. Especially as a, as a group of people who say, you know, we recognize the, 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 the anger, uh, the, the fear, uh, the, the, the differences and divisions that, that may be out there in the world. But we're not going to be impacted by those because we believe in the blood of Jesus that holds us together. And you might say, well, shouldn't we agree on those things? Well, I say, if you agree on those things, then unity is cheap. Who needs Jesus if we have the same preferences and desires and political commitments? Right? It's because of our differences that we're taking this risk and saying we believe in the power of the cross that the blood of Jesus is a glue that will hold us together greater than any force the world or the devil can bring. And that's a risk. In terms of regeneration, that we, we are saying we're going to be made new according to the ways of heaven, not according to the ways of the world. Wouldn't you say that the world, our city, our neighborhoods, our communities, maybe even our families, don't, we need a heavy dose of the generous spirit of Jesus. See, that, that's something that's, that, that money can't buy. That, that's why the regeneration, the, the work here is, is deeper than stuff. It includes stuff, and that because that touches our heart. Uh, but this is about uh, us celebrating and seeing how God is going to lead us and continue to lead us to be a community that where the walls that were torn down by the cross we believe are down by the power of Jesus, and we believe that the power of the Holy Spirit will lead us to build community across race, economics, and political commitments. That's a step. That's a risk. But we, it's not a risk because we know it's the end of the story, right? We know that when Jesus appears, that people of every nation, tribe, and tongue will be gathered around His throne. So as a, as a church... That's why we take the risk of moving into that. Another, another story, another example of how God is bringing powerful unity 
in the midst of such diversity and even direct differences. You know, we, we have these uh, conversations where we listen to one another about race, where we seek to have a safe place in the power of the Spirit to really talk to one another about things that are very divisive. And there's a really good reason we don't do it on Facebook. Um, so, yeah, so, but we do do it face to face. And so just uh, two weeks ago, our, after our last um, uh, listening to one another about race, I got another email um, from another member of the, the congregation and um, where they shared really some deep healing and real revelation that occurred to them and to some others at uh, um, this, this gathering. And, and as I read it, you'll hear, they asked that I uh, um, uh, change it around, change the name so they could rena- remain anonymous for right now. Um, so just, I just want to read you this email. Hi, Drew. I'm sending a portion of my journal entry today as it pertains to the conversation on race last night. I do this at the risk, eh, risk, that you will ask me to share it on a Sunday morning, which I do not want to do. <laughs> it is, uh, but I did ask to be able to read it, of which I was granted. And it's gonna, it is too fresh and tender right now. See, this is real stuff. But is the blood of Jesus that powerful that it gets into stuff that's real tender? It's real. That's, that's, that's what we believe. But I want you to be encouraged that God is working, if seemingly slowly, even in me. Here's the entry. Last night was a conversation on race at CHPC. It was a large group as all of the incoming church officers were attending. We broke into a smaller group of six with discussion questions. One of the questions asked how race affects us in our daily lives. This led to, name changed, Hannah, the one black woman in our group, sharing about a few recent experiences where she calmly challenged people who were discounting her. It seemed to me that she had handled these situations very well, but it was also clear that she was assuming that the actions of these people were based on racism. I debated about asking her and finally did. When something like this happens, do you assume that it is racial? She paused and thought and answered, yes. Then she went on in that vein and concluded that perhaps it was not always a racial reaction. She didn't really know what they were thinking, but that most black people would assume it was as she did. This was the answer I was expecting, and I appreciated her honesty and vulnerability. I pondered her answer for a while as something resonated deep inside of me. I was thinking about how my experience with my close friend Phyllis in high school and and how her assumption that my decision to cut her nieces from our dance team performance was based on race. Her blatant accusations of racism, her withdrawal of her friendship, and how devastated and completely blindsided I had been as a result. I remembered hanging up the phone and sobbing uncontrollably, so wounded was I. In one of the few times since that day, I shared in brief terms with our little group what I experienced years ago. No one reacted or had any response, but I wasn't looking for them to, necessarily. 
But what did happen was I felt a connection between Hannah's story and my story. I saw with so much greater clarity why the racism assumption is so often made. I understood better how Phyllis could have reacted that way, how her personal experience had almost necessarily colored her viewpoint. I felt a small healing happen inside of me, although I didn't recognize it as such right away. I also felt and continued to feel all evening a deep sadness, a a grieving of my lost friendship. I felt sad many times about that loss. But now the sadness was just that, sadness untainted with anger. Last night I also saw more clearly how I have guarded my heart against too close a relationship with black women. I do not trust their friendly words and hold myself back to keep from being betrayed again. More shallow relationships have been fine, even desirable, but I haven't let anyone get too close. And honestly, no one has tried. I think I would like to have some close black friends as well as friends of other races. My world is too white like our walls. May it be so as you intend, Lord. I feel more able to risk it today than I was yesterday. And I thank you for that, Jesus. Peppered story after story of God's miraculous power at work bringing healing and truth and life and love into the mess of our world. That's regeneration. That's what we're giving to. That's what the risk that we're taking is. We're following after one who has told us to always respond to hate with love. To all, Don't curse the darkness, but bring light into it. That, that's the work of Jesus that says, now can you come together in a power that's beyond this world and demonstrate the power of the cross. So, God has given us signs, little vignettes, to see where He's taking us. And that's the risk, the faith that we step into as we give sacrificially. Now, at the end of our passage what um, Paul uh, mentions Titus, and Titus is one of the people he was sending to Corinth. And, and he's sending them to Corinth to say, now prepare the gift. Look at what the folks in Macedonia have done now in Corinth. Um, let, let you now give um, uh, equally generosity, with an equal amount of, of generosity. Because again, variety of gifts, but the same generosity of gift and soul. And so what we've done, similar to that um, here at CHPC, is we, we brought together uh, last week or a week ago, two weeks ago, um, the leaders of the church, elders and deacons and others, and we brought them uh, to, uh, um, and asked them as, as, uh, to, if they would make their pledge early. You know, if they would do that this week and so that today we could announce to you uh, that of the leadership of the church, 45 families have uh, turned in their, their pledge that equals $1.6 million of the $2.2 million goal. Um, yeah. 
and, and that's a group of people who have, uh, are willing to take that step of faith and, and to say to the rest of us, um, we, we believe what God is doing. Will you also give? Uh, different, again, different gifts, but the same level of generosity in order to meet the goal of 2.2 or even just blow it out of the water. I already had one prophetess come and tell me, this is how much we're going to get. And it was over 2.2 million. But next Sunday, we all together will gather and give, bring the gifts, uh, and we'll, we'll do it symbolically and really as well as we bring the pledge cards before, the, before God and before one another, seeking to fulfill God's plans and purposes so that these kind of stories might multiply exponentially because of his work in and through us. Um, to those that have already taken that step of faith, a sincere thank you, a sincere statement of, of gratitude um, from me and from other um, uh, leaders in, in the church. Um, just in receiving that, and like in hearing from Richard and from others of you, it's really sort of overwhelming the, the weight, the, the joy of, of God's glory as you see a people who give generously for the work of God's kingdom. And for the rest of us now during this week to prayerfully be seeking God's leading to take the the risk that he might give us to give, to, to practice generosity, to let his generosity flow through us so that cheerfully we sacrifice for that which is eternal. Amen.